Uh, we're going to open up the Bible. We're doing week two of our little series called One Another, where we're looking at passages in the Bible uh, that, that really lead us into intentional community, to how to love each other well and uh, love each other well in the church context, but also out with for people who don't know Jesus. Uh, I want to start with a little story. Uh, president Calvin Coolidge, who was the 30th president of the USA, he invited some people from his hometown to dinner at the White House. Now, you can imagine uh, what, a, what a, an event that would be. And uh, since they didn't know how to behave in such an occasion, you can imagine the nerves, uh, they thought the best policy would be just to do what the president did. So uh, it came for serving coffee. So they decided um, we're going to copy what the president does. The president poured his coffee into a saucer. So as soon as those people saw it, they did the same. The president then poured some milk and added a little sugar to the coffee in the saucer. He did exactly the same again. And uh, the people did exactly the same again. And they thought for sure the next step, the president would take the saucer with the coffee and begin sipping it. But the president didn't do that. He leaned over, he placed the saucer on the floor, and he called the cat over. He called the cat over. Come on, guys, you could have a wee giggle. Or it's quite funny, isn't it? Uh, I used to imitate the WWF wrestler Bret Hart. And uh, I put a kid in a move in our garden called the sharpshooter once, uh, which involved me pulling his legs up and sitting on his back and pulling back. And uh, his mum came to our door as his legs were still sore a week after. So I I'm saying that just as I'm, I'm thinking about imitating. And when I was younger, I wanted to be Bret Hart. But also, it's a little warning. I've got skills, so be careful. James Baldwin, who's an American playwright, says children have never been good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. And that is real truth right there. Parents, if there's one thing you take away from this morning, let that be a reminder and a warning to watch out. Our kids are watching. Our kids are watching. Let me read a few verses from uh, God's word. Philippians 2, 3 to 8. Firstly, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 1 Peter, oh, we've got a little, we're doing some adjustments. 1 Peter 2.22 says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps that you should follow in his steps. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then uh, the crux of where I want to go this morning is in John 13, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Let me read this passage. Chapter 13, John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what, I'm what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, no, not every one of you. For he knew he was going to who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Amen. A wee sip of Myron Brew. It's not a sponsor. Uh, I just like Myron Brew this morning. <laughs> um, so, what a beautiful passage. We are most like Jesus when we serve others. This is a really significant account as it's near the time when Jesus is to be crucified and he knows it. We read that in verse 1. It's drawing to a close his period of life on earth. There's a vision casting mission moment being played out in this account. This is a moment that is to never leave his disciples. And I believe he wants to bring it into fresh focus for us this morning. What did he want to leave his followers? What was the last thing Jesus did with uh, his disciples? What's the importance? Verse 15 gives us a real indicator. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Francis Chan, in his brilliant book, Letters to the Church, he poses the question, how would you respond if Jesus took off your shoes right now and began to wash your feet? Now, if we get beyond maybe the, the, the jokes or the awkwardness that we would initially feel, just take a moment. Take a moment. Francis uh, says in his book, it would feel almost impossible, unimaginable, and uh, he said, I'd be a bit speechless at the thought of Jesus doing that. Yet at the core of our belief is that God humbled himself to serve us and die for us. And the root of our calling as Christians, as Jesus followers, is to imitate him, to serve others, to wash the feet of our city. I pray that for Inverness Vineyard Church, that that would be ingrained in our DNA to wash the feet of our city. 
Three things this passage realigns in our hearts uh, as I've been praying over this passage this week. And I, I, yeah, I feel that the Holy Spirit wants to do that. He wants to realign some stuff. Uh, and for us to repent, to say sorry, and to lay down our lives and agendas and plans and return to simple, humble service. So, firstly, we stoop low. We stoop low. Uh, verse 4 and 5 of the passage says, So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. So Jesus wrapped a towel round his waist, and this is what the lowliest slaves would do. These slaves would be despised by Jews and Greeks alike. It was dirty. It was a job reserved for the least and the last. Yet here is Jesus stepping into this space, stepping down into the ugly, despised, down and out spaces to give out and to love. Think about that. Jesus stoops so low and gives of himself and he calls us to to that. He calls us to imitate him. He calls us to stoop low. He became, a, he humbles himself. And in those times, humility was weakness. Traditions, rules, and laws would be up in arms with this act. Some slaves would look down at this act. And yet, within this, there is a command as our Lord steps into the pits of lowliness for us to serve in these spaces. There's a command for us to go into these spaces, to give out in these spaces, not to pick and choose, not to limit, not to choose comfort or convenience or what will suit us or make us feel better or what others think we should do or what fits in with what we can manage, what tradition says or what people says people say we should pursue. There is a command to stoop low. To go into these spaces or places or places in people's lives where no one else goes and to love relentlessly, to wash feet, to enter into the dirtiness and love because no one else dare go there. Not to be concerned by how grubby our hands get or what will be said about us, but to remember this is where Jesus went. And this is our remit. remit. This is the gig. This is what we're called to. This is what it's all about. We go where no one else is willing. We speak hope when no one else will. We turn up when no one else has the time. We go again when everyone else has lost hope. We are to be a people of hope. We are a people who are to stoop low and wrap the towel around our waist and kneel down to the folk who have nothing left to give and give them our everything. And I believe that's a large part that uh, would go towards changing our city. And I believe that this is a season as we enter into seeing each other again, that the Lord wants to remind us why we're here and for us to fall to our knees and to say sorry for what we've made it. That there's a new day coming for serving one another that's going to transform Inverness. It's about collaboration and unity and relationships among one another. And I see hearts stirring and hearts are coming together. 
And we must pray. We must pray for protection of that. And you know, as well as we stoop low, I've just been thinking about this. Like, as we stoop low, and I'm going to do it right now, sometimes, for some of us, as we stoop low, as we bow the knee, as we come down into the dirty places, it's going to be places where no one can see us. It's going to be places where no one can see us, and it's going to be hidden places and hidden moments where it's just us and the Father, where it's not about people seeing us, it's not about telling people what we've done, but I believe that the Lord's calling us into these hidden places that we know in our hearts where we're to go, and there's stuff that uh, He wants to grow in us that is to be between Him and us, where we stoop low. And those are, are going to be special places. They're, they're going to be places where we see the Father working, and they're going to be places where it's not about others seeing us. So I, I just want to, I just want to encourage you into that. As I come back on camera, <laughs> I just want to encourage us into that, that that we would know those places, that that the Lord would realign our hearts. We stoop low. Secondly, we move from consumers to contributors. Now, I don't know if any of you leave reviews online. They can be helpful, can't they? Uh, whenever we buy something, we do our research and we read reviews. I want to read uh, a review to you just now from Amazon. Sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're just funny, aren't they? But this review is for uh, an Ethernet cable. Ethernet, Ethernet, Ethernet. Yeah, Ethernet. And uh, sometimes, instead of using your Wi-Fi, you plug it into the Wi-Fi uh, the Wi-Fi box into your computer, and it'll speed it up. So this is a review. Great cable, but too fast. Transmission of music data at rates faster than the speed of light seemed convenient until I realized I was hearing the music before I actually wanted to play it. Apparently, this company forgot how accustomed most of us are to the general laws of physics. I tried to get used to this effect, but hearing songs play before I even realized I was in the mood for them really changed my preconceptions of free will. I'm having a real struggle with this. Would not purchase again. Now, obviously, that's a real silly review. It must be a really good cable. But we are consumers, aren't we? Our culture inundate us with things to consume. We have devices that listen to our conversations and recommend things to consume. We have shops who have people, companies who have people employed to study our human brain patterns to work out where we look when we enter a shop so we can consume. We can consume with one click. We can consume with one word. We are wired, or our culture uh, pours on us this need and a desire to consume. And we need to be so careful that we don't adopt that worldly practice into our church context, into how we view Jesus, that we become consumers, that we leave reviews, that we look to what we get out of an experience, because that is so dangerous. The church is not a, an audience to be entertained, but it's an army to be equipped. The church is not a crowd to consume, but it's a family who contribute. Ephesians 4.12 says to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 
We are given gifts to give out. Every single one of us, all of us watching here this morning or catching up through the week, you have a gift that the Lord has specifically laid on your life to give out, to contribute. And it's not for our own building up, but for others to contribute, to equip the saints and then to give out to others. And then we grow and we go again. We learn, we go again. We make mistakes, we go again. As we step out of this season and and hopefully have more spaces where we see each other face to face, where we come together uh, to worship, our city will be hurting. Our city is hurting. Our city is confused. Our city needs hope. And we have that hope. And we have a van of hope as well, which uh, more details will be coming soon around that and and work is being done uh, around getting that ready. And we all have areas to contribute. And we're looking at what does this next six months look like or this next year as a church? What is the Father leading us into as a church family? And there's excitement. There's expectation. And I've got to be honest, there's moments where you're like, ah! It's like, ah! But there's also a realization in the mix of all that that it will require all of us who call Inverness Vineyard Church their place to contribute, to give out in all sorts of areas. And this goes way beyond a Sunday. And, you know, please hear me. We are uh, not a church that is, we don't want to be a church that's all about a Sunday. We can't be. Sundays are important, and I can't wait until we get back together more regularly in person. But just as important as our Monday mornings with people who don't know Jesus, to equip the saints, to equip the saints as we gather. May we be equipped as we gather. And as we enter into this next season, we'd love us all to re-examine our hearts around our contribution. As, uh, and that could be around time, around money, around energy. And in the coming weeks as a church, we'll be sharing some tools and, and just getting a, an idea of uh, where we're at in terms of that. And we want to invite you into sharing what you can bring for, I guess, a relaunch season, in a way, uh, for what's coming up. And we'd love you to step into that, to give out, to serve others, what's in our hands. I always say that, what's in our hands? And I had a picture uh, of, of three different scenarios which might resonate for some of us watching this morning. For some of us, there's too much in our hands. And laying down some things that we shouldn't be holding on to will be really key in order for us to give, us, give out. For some of us, we're holding on far too tight into things that are to be held lightly. And the Lord wants to bring freedom to risk, freedom to dream, freedom to step in to new seasons. And some of us, we don't even want to grab anything. We feel a bit empty. We feel inadequate. I want to say, as I've said a bit earlier, your gift is needed right now more than ever. And often, and I know this from my experience, our healing, our heart stuff can be realigned by the Holy Spirit in our giving out. It can come through serving like Jesus did. And, and what that tends to do is take our, our focus away from our stuff into dishing out hope in other contexts, to give out, uh, yeah, to give out life and and practical help to those who need it and then finally we surrender the badge of status 
Uh, this week, as I was putting finishing touches to this talk, uh, our eldest boy came in, and uh, I was just putting finishing touches to it. And I just said, uh, will you pray for me, Joshua? And I encourage you, if you have kids, ask them to pray for you. Ask them to pray for you and just see what the Lord does. So important. And this is what he said. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for Daddy at church. We hope Daddy remembers everything, and this is his words, in his teensy, tiny, tiny, wee, teensy head. That's what he said. As we finish this talk, I'm just reminded we are to surrender the badge of status. It's not about us. It's not mine to carry the world's troubles, the church's future, what it's going to look like. We are called to surrender each day the worldly will and to pull uh, and to take, yeah, to, to surrender our world, the worldly will to take stuff on ourselves. John Wimber, in his book, The Way In Is The Way On, says, look into your path to understand the Lord's power that came to rescue you. Look at the evil in your heart this very moment to understand the greatness of God's love. There are no superstars in the kingdom of heaven, no CEOs, no flashy creative director, no up-and-coming musicians. There are only servants whose eyes are fixed on Jesus. He is the model servant, the servant of all servants. For some of us, the very act and decision and commitment to serving others will require surrendering the badge of status, the badges that the world give us, how we measure success. Someone asked me this week around church planting, how do you measure success? And I think they were expecting a number, oh, a certain number of Sundays or a certain amount of money or, you know, uh, how many people become Christians? And I, had a, I just said I had a great chat with somebody this week where the Holy Spirit came and met with that person during a prayer time. That's success. Seeing people encounter Jesus. Stories changed. Light breaking in. Restoration. Healing. So we surrender status. For some of us watching this morning... Our workplaces are, are ripe, are ready for harvest. But our colleagues don't know us. They don't know what we carry. And there's an invitation to stoop low. There's an invite to give out. There's an invitation to surrender what others think, the fear of what others think. And there'll be surprises in that. Serving others, it's the Jesus way. The moments we know where it will cost us are often the Jesus moments. The moments of inconvenience and dirty hands are often the Jesus way. The moments of not reviewing and consuming but contributing are often the Jesus way. The moments of stepping out of traditions and giving up our status are the Jesus way. Come Holy Spirit.